Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to the final hour of Tip Today. Now we're with you, of course, every single weekday morning from nine. And John spoke to us this morning about Leo Bradkar's uh, comments that he will be in favour of primary school children being taught about transgender issues. Here's just a little of what he had to say to us after nine this morning. So what I don't like is very young, impressionable children of primary school age, friend, <clears throat> being subjected, like you mean, to outside forces and to being uh, subjected to dealing with uh, issues that I think their young minds are, are uh, susceptible, I mean, you know, and I think a child should be a child as long as it can be, both boy and girl, right? I think when you get into secondary school, that's a different kettle of fish altogether, right? But I think very young children of four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, I don't agree with teaching them about LGBT, about trans or anything like that. I think their, their young minds are in, their young bodies are just in the world. Give them a chance to be a child. It's, they'll be long enough in the world, friend, like you and me, when they'll be battled from outside forces, inside forces, whatever, forces will come at them, right, and try to deal with life in general will be hard enough and you become an adult. Mm. So a child to me should be a child as long as it possibly can. I don't see any demonstrations outside schools in Tipperary, in Cork or Dublin or right around the country. I don't see hundreds of parents queuing up saying that they want religion gone over the schools, that they, they want all this stuff uh, taught to their very young, impressionable children. I don't see it. And wh- where is it coming from then, do you think, John? Well, I, 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 you see, there's, there's two ways of looking at this. I, I think for years... It's been building from within a lot of parties from the left. I know it has kind of spread into the mainstream parties, which would be Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Greens, whatever, and Sinn Féin, that uh, I think um, the threat is coming from within. And it's this whole idea that, I mean, we must change everything now. I mean, you know, everything we had, every value, Christian value, uh, all type of values that we had, and also to be kind of old hat. And that was uh, John speaking to me just after nine o'clock uh, this morning. Oh eight three three double one double three double one. We have those tickets to give away to the Marty Party that's coming to Limerick for the first time ever to the University Concert Hall there on this coming Friday. I'll be speaking to uh, the said Marty, that's Marty Morrissey, on the programme tomorrow. But uh, our tickets today, as always, based on your interaction with us by text and WhatsApp. And if you put the Marty Party at the end of your contribution, we will pop you into the draw. Uh, one of our listeners saying, I totally agree with uh, the lady speaking about the litter situation. I reside in the Moyne area of Thurles and uh, the roads are a disgrace. I litter pick around my area every couple of weeks. And uh, yes, Fran, I pick up other people's rubbish. The amount of drink, cans, bottles and coffee cups, it's unbelievable. We have a lovely country, so please, please try and keep it clean, says one of our listeners. Another listener, forgive my naivety, Fran, but why is there not an emphasis uh, when the hedges are being cut or the mud being drawn out onto the roads uh, by machinery? Uh, which can cause damage to cars by way of a puncture uh, from thorns, branches, or cause an accident indeed if it rains and the roads become slippy. I know it doesn't affect many people, but it is lethal, and we foot the bill for any damage caused, no matter how careful the driver is. Certainly a big issue up around our way in uh, Anacarty. 083 uh, Let me find my jingle now. 
Legal discussion on tip today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mail on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. Spec savers for me, I think, John. You're very welcome, John. How are you? I thought good... I might have to sing it. <laughs> well, if you if you want to well, burst... No, no, no. I wouldn't in, inflict that on your farmers. Far be it for me for, to stop somebody from bursting into song. Good to see you today, John. Um, you. You're going to talk to us about assisted decision-making and there's been some... Some yes. movement forward at on long that. Last, yeah. At long last. 2015 is when this came in, and I have been talking about it since, since 2015. And they've now finally, finally said that it's coming on the 26th of April. And, I mean, literally I've been talking to people for the last number of years about the fact that, and I've often said it to you, that when I started First in Law, you'd be talking to people about wills. And then in 19... 90s and the 1990s you started talking about enduring powers of attorney which were nicknamed living wills and then in 2015 almost however many you can do your numbers on mm. that but in 2015 then they introduced a whole new way of looking at capacity you know whether people were able to do things or not or look after themselves or not so they changed that to what they call the functional approach which basically means that you look to the particular function that you're asking somebody to do whatever it is you're asking them to do and you see can they carry out that particular thing or can they function in that particular area mm. and if they can then they have capacity if they can't they don't have capacity which which believe it or not was a seismic shift in the way people looked at capacity because because prior to that, you either had it or you didn't have it. And mm. if you didn't have it, that was it. You, you had capacity for nothing. So they changed that. But when they did that, then they introduced uh, two kind of considerable uh, changes in the area, in this area as well, because they added in what they called decision making agreements. And now there's a side issue to this, which I'll cover just in a second, but they introduced these decision-making agreements. So so now you had another um, kid on the block dealing with issues around people not being able to look after themselves. And instead of going into wardship, which is which which they have abolished. Mm. and That's I, the state taking yeah, over, that's, essentially. That's literally... Yeah the High Court office, Wardship mm. office, being involved in literally managing somebody's affairs. And, as you say, very much a kind of a state-funded uh, scenario. But they then replaced this with the whole decision-making idea. So the decision-making concept or model, if you like, was where you would, you would appoint somebody or nominate somebody to help you make decisions or to make decisions with you. Or alternatively, the third one of that is that if you weren't capable of making decisions and if there was nobody there that you had nominated, the court would appoint somebody, which is the kind of last resort, mm. if you know what I mean. Mm. But the, 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 the big thing here is that they've literally introduced a brand new way of dealing with the process of making decisions as and I was going to say as you grow older but obviously you may have a disability mm. which might affect mm. it as well but this whole new novel thing has been around since 2015 and now they've finally announced the fact that as and from the 26th of April of this year I can now say to people well actually it's now in place 
they introduced one other one, uh, one other uh, element to this, which is the final part to, uh, you know, succession planning, planning for the future, looking after yourself if something goes wrong, that you're no longer able to do it. They introduced one further one, which is the, uh, it's, it's called an advanced healthcare directive. And basically what this is, is that this deals with the situation. And, I mean, you've had around for some time now advanced healthcare directive but they haven't they haven't been legislated on mm. it's now part of our legislative process and been supervised by a decision making service which I'll talk about in a second but which is also part of what they're going to introduce yes. from April but this advanced healthcare directive now means that if I'm at a stage in my life for whatever reason be it age or ill health or otherwise that I have very, very defined views as to how I might be dealt with. So in other words, whether I want to be resuscitated, whether I want to be peg fed and things like that, or whether I want to have chemotherapy or, or whatever particular scenario you're talking about. You now have a piece of legislation that says that you can actually make a plan and a written document called an advanced healthcare directive that will deal with that. So when people are coming in to me now, uh, uh, to make, to look forward or do a little bit of advanced planning, you're now looking at quite a, a set of mechanisms or procedures that are available to them. And it's not just your will. And look, you know, you know, I've often talked about wills, but now you're looking at a set. So the set now goes like this. Your final document is your will because you've passed on once the will kicks in. Your first document, if you like, is if you're in a situation where you need some help to to make a decision. So you may you may be due to disability or due to age or otherwise, you might want you know might you need some help. And in that situation, you've got these decision making agreements, and you're able to nominate in advance the people you want to do that. So you're you're looking at a situation where people are saying, well, you know. If I want, if they have children and, you know, there's one particular child that they, they would like, I was going to say your favourite, but you know what I mean, we don't have any favourites as, as parents to where all our children are, are equal. But anyway, but you may have somebody who's living close by and you'd nominate them. So mm. there's no uncertainty about it from that point of view. You can plan it. And then the other scenario is that if rather than needing help, you actually lose the ability to be able to make any decisions on your own path so you lose capacity and you're no longer able to function. In those, in that scenario, you have the enduring power of attorney, which again has been updated somewhat. And that's another uh, document that you can put in place. And then finally, the healthcare one is the, is the other document that you can put in place. So this... To say I'm excited, lawyers aren't supposed to get excited, but I'm quite excited that I'm now in a position to do something about this, as in mm. offer all of these options to people so that you can actually plan 
forward and and don't forget now there's a what ifs in this particular scenario there's a what if scenario in it but there's very few what ifs on a will a will is a will yes of course always, yeah. I, I don't know about you but I'm certainly going to get to the point where the will will be relevant don't don't mention the will it'll, it'll start <laughs> a row in my house once again um, you spoke about supervision uh, because mm. uh, this always yes. concerns me that you know unscrupulous actors could be sort of Correct. up to all sorts of tricks here what, what sort of supervision are we talking about well you see about? prior to this Prior to this, the only supervision that you had was wardship. Yes. That was the only thing that was out there and available. Since 1700 and something, it's been around, under the wow. Lunacy Act, it was introduced, um, which is an awful name for Isn't an act. Just, there yeah. you go. Um, but there are 2,000 wards in Ireland, and 2,000 uh, cases are going to have to be looked at over the next uh, number of years. They're talking about over the next three years. But they're now going to review those cases and move them out of the wardship model mm. into the new model. Now, the new model, you have a supervising authority, and you're quite right, you do need safeguards. So, you, you know, like everything else, they have, it's called the DSA for short, but it's the decision-making authority that's literally going to be supervising all of these various um, options that are out there. And like everything else, there are going to be the ultimate uh, scenario is that if you you must register certain of these agreements, like mm. for example, if you activate uh, if you activate the uh, uh, a co ownership or co ownership, sorry, if you act, activate one of these agreements, the co decision making agreements, you must register it with the authority, and that authority you must then make reports. You have obligations on an annual basis to make reports to the authority. So, like everything else, there are responsibilities with these particular, yeah, and that's the responsibility of your solicitor. No, well, of the of the person who's nominated, Tom. the actual nominated person who right. the co decision making agreement per, and you can you can question uh, how these people are carrying out these functions okay. and you have an authority or a body to refer to. And, I mean, for example, with the Advanced Healthcare Directive, I remember a question being asked, and like everything else, you know, when, when we're talking about this, which I have no doubt we will be over the next number of years, you know, the question is going to arise, like, to what extent are you going to be able to monitor these things? Mm. You know, what kind of resources are going to be applied to managing these and like everything else as I've often said to you the problem with, with all of these um, models that we talk about is they're very much resource dependent and if you have the resources yes you'll be able to monitor them but your ultimate your ultimate fallback position with all of this from a protection point of view is the courts the courts haven't I'm going to say abdicated but you know what I mean mm -hmm. they haven't been ousted from overall supervision and that's one of the, the benefits of a system that has a statutory framework is that if you have the fail-safe that you can make a court application to say, I think there's something wrong here and I want you to look at it, they can appoint representatives by the, nominated by the court to go in and have a look at it and deal with it. Now, the, the other, the, I mean, it's, it's really interesting because um, the wardship applications are going to be interesting because, you see, wardship is now going to be replaced with like any any number of wardship applications that I would have been involved in over the years, the main the main reason that somebody would have gone into wardship is that it would have there would have been an assessment made, and it would have been decided that we're not capable of managing their affairs. Mm. But it would have been under the old model, 
Yes. The old model yeah. was you either had it or you hadn't it. Okay. You either had the ability or you had the capacity so or you didn't. It wasn't nuanced in any it way. It wasn't in yeah. any way nuanced. Yeah. Yeah. So the really interesting thing is, is of these 2,000 cases, how much nuancing are you going to have? Will they all come into a supervision situation or to what extent will there be a supervision? Because it will it be a co-decision-making agreement, somebody to assist them in making a decision or will it be an assisted decision-making agreement which somebody will just help them make a decision? Or will it be a court-appointed decision-maker because there's nobody else to right. carry out that function? Well, what about the speed of that decision-making, though? I mean, either appointing somebody or adjudicating oh, yeah. on this or something. Yeah. I would imagine that because, I mean, for the person involved, this has to happen straight away. Correct, yeah, correct. But you see, until such time as it happens, the wardship mechanism will still be there. They're not going to dismantle. Okay. Okay. They won't. Yeah, no, it's a yes. good point. They're not going to dismantle You know, the baby in the bathwater scenario. They won't yeah. throw the baby out with the bathwater. They'll hold on to the bath for a while anyway until such time as they get a replacement shower or whatever it is. I don't know how you might analyse it, <laughs> ana- make an analogy of it. But yeah, no, no. I mean, the wardship will stay in place right. until such time as you move them into either a court-appointed representative or uh, you know, a personal rep in in so in so far as you're talking about a family member that might be representative. So it personalises and family makes it much more family friendly. The whole area. Yes. You know, so so and and this is in as of the twenty sixth of July, April. Did I say the twenty sixth of April? Right. So so pretty pretty quickly indeed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's some new acts in uh, consumer rights act and stuff that that. But there's some really what crossed my and we we will certainly have to have a look at this um, in more detail. Although I remember when I studied. so they called it personal property or do they call it commercial law I'm not sure what they called it but I, I think it was commercial law mm. one of the big things that, that you had was the Sale of Goods and Supply Services Act which was a very old piece of legislation and the Sale of Goods Act which was 1890 something but in 2022 it's funny how these acts suddenly you know there must have been a huge amount of work put into mm. them but what they've done in the in the in the recent past, and you've seen them do it in tax legislation, capital acquisitions tax, for example, you'd have a whole load of amending legislation and it would be a morass of the starting act and then 15 or 20 acts after that and every finance act, etc. So what they've tried to do with legislation is they've done a consolidation of the whole consumer rights area because, as you can imagine, what wasn't there... uh, I was going to say 20 years ago, but mm. I'd say probably 10 years ago now, or however long it is since the internet's been around, was this whole digital area and the whole digital area being covered. So that's that's new, and that's now been covered under the Consumer Rights Act 2022. Now, I just started to, to look at it, and I thought a couple of interesting ones, without, without um, going into it in great detail, because it's, there's, I think... How many pages? 205 pages of an wow. act. So I didn't have a chance to read it all. But I had a quick look at it. And the interesting thing is, you know, I've often talked to you about burden of proof. And if you go into a court of law, somebody has to have the first shot at proving it, which is the burden of proof. So the burden is on one. And if they don't discharge that burden, well, then they're out the door. If you know what I mean, you've lost it. You have to prove your case. So where, and the question often is, where does the, so if you're a consumer coming into a shop, 
there's a burden of proof on a sales contract as a consumer and there's a presumption there's a presumption that the consumer is right under this act, which is a new one, because, you know, you're going in and you're saying, well, I've, these goods are faulty, and the, 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 there's, where's the presumption, or do you have to prove that they are? And the whole presumption under this legislation would appear to fall in favour of the consumer. So it has shifted the emphasis away from, you know, the laissez-faire uh, scenario whereby the consumer is in a weaker position than the trader, but they have you have this short term right to terminate a contract, and I I used to always be struggling with this under the old legislation as to can you go in and insist? Look, I'm 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 giving it back to you. Take it back. I don't want it kind of thing. Not that I don't want it, but I'm terminating the contract if there's something wrong with it. So I go in and the, you go into the shop and, the, or, and I'm going to say shop or anything. Mm, it can be yeah. any kind of thing. And you say, this is defective. You know, I want my money back. I want my money back. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you get, well, no, I'll repair it. And you're standing there wondering, well, do I have the right to insist on whether you repair or not? And under this piece of legislation that's clarified because you have what they call a short day 30 day right to terminate so that's that's new and that's a fairly well you, you say it's new but I mean where digital is concerned I mean it, it, well, if memory serves me correct wasn't there a European directive correct that, that there was a European directive yeah. exactly yeah. you're, you're your full marks. I'll give you ten out of ten Thank for, you that. for that. But yeah, Thank you. that's that's the, a directive that was introduced by the EU. But I'm talking about just just across the counter right. shop scenarios. It what didn't apply in that case that you had a cooling off. It's called your cooling off period, and it applies in insurance contracts as well. You know, you always uh, somebody tried to flog you something, they had to put it in there saying you had thirty days to, to change your mind, kind of thing. Now this is a thirty day one that they've introduced now on a sale of goods. But the other one that I th- that I thought that I think is uh, that just struck me as well is the right of a recipient of a gift. There was always a real, and maybe it's just something that as a lawyer you get kind of hung up on. But there was always this thing of what they call privity of contract. When you studied contract law, if I had a deal, if I did a deal with you, that's a contract with you. But if you then gave, let's say I gave you a guitar and you paid me money for it and we did the deal and there's a contract and you give your guitar to your friend and your friend comes back to me and said, this guitar is a load of rubbish. Uh, you said it was a, I was going to say Stradivarius, but whatever. <laughs> That's a violin. That's a violin. <laughs> I love the notion of it, though. Uh, That's yeah. a violin. <laughs> whatever the Stradivarius equivalent is right. that, that you said. And you, you, that's what I said it was, which is a misrepresentation and it's not fit for purpose. Blah, 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 blah. And your man says, and you gave it to him. I said, well, sorry, but I don't have any privity with you. In other words, there's no contractual relationship between you and I, so therefore you can't. You can't deal with me on right. it. Under the under this, the recipient of a gift stands in the shoe of the person who made the purchase, wow. which is an interesting one, isn't it? You know, and you know, there's it, it it's it's there is stuff all over the place on this. That right. from and, a, and when will this come in? When this when is, is in? Is this is this in? This is in. This is the Consumer Rights Act. But while I was looking at that, then. Uh, somebody was talking to me about the Consumer Insurance Contracts Act, which came in 2019, and that's a really interesting one because, and again, just I need to be careful of how I put this, but certainly I have found a trend in the last number of years by insurance companies to look for reasons, which could be justifiable reasons, to 
avoid an insurance contract yes. and say to you, you didn't do this, so therefore you're out the door. I'm mm. not paying you anything. So you're in a situation where you're going, I, wait a minute here, like, that's, that's you know, that doesn't really impact on you. And that's a side issue. And it's not, it doesn't go to the core of the insurance contract. And I remember having a number of arbitrations because there's arbitrations usually under these mm. contracts. And I was faced with this, you know, well, under clause 27951, bloody, bloody, blah, and you're going on crumbs, mm. you know. And then you had to use the argument that unless it was clear a contract term was clear so you were using common law as opposed to statute okay. law to argue your case at which you you could be successful but under under the consumer insurance contracts 2019 legislation they've introduced what they call proportionate remedies so what does that mean now? yeah in proportion to whatever it is so sorry let's be clear about this mm. so what they're saying is that if you made a misrepresentation so if you gave them misleading information it depends on the type of misrepresentation or misleading how misleading was it was it innocent was it careless or was it fraudulent right this is the information you might give to your insurance company Correct. to get your policy Correct. or Correct. whatever so so you make a misrepresentation right. for some reason or other and they find out when they're assessing the claim and they, and prior to this they go you're in breach of the term, clause 5-9, bang, you're out the door. Right. Okay. Under the Insurance Act 2019, they've introduced what they call proportionate. So they have to act proportionately. It's it's, it's like an European Right, but do, do, do you have to fight that? You know, I mean... Do, do, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah you have to fight yeah. everything. Right. But do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Otherwise, I mean, if, we'd be out of a job. <laughs> I was just going to say. But, I mean, if you're not happy with the decision by the insurance no, company says we won't pay you, I have to get my solicitor, John Lynch, to, to act on my but behalf. But by a large, by a large practice will tell you that what they say... Now, there are certain presumptions, you see. Um, mm. So, if you look at the section, innocent... Um, where a claim is made under contract insurance and where the consumer has discharged the duty under Section 8. That was love throwing in a little bit extra mm. there, but Section 8 tells you what you're supposed to tell them. To answer questions honestly with reasonable care, but where the answer involves an innocent misrepresentation, the owner shall be required to pay the claim. Right. So the bottom line is... Um, the bottom line is that if it's an innocent one, then you're OK. Right. If it's a negligent one, in other words, you were careless in, in answering the question, then right. you have to prove... And, and just quickly, John, can this apply to a decision that was made before the... the Act came in, no. No, no we're not in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, always a pleasure. Thank Thanks you. very much indeed. John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors in Clonmel. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie